While I was out in Portland, Oregon for my ministerial internship, I spent several weeks with the kindergarten classes as they explored a segment about death. Perhaps you do that here at First Universalist as well. And we watched the metamorphosis of a caterpillar into a butterfly. We took a field trip to one of the historic cemeteries that goes back to the pioneer days of Portland. And we also held a memorial service and we invited each child to draw or bring in a picture of someone they knew who had died. And I came to the classroom that morning in my robe because the ministers at First Unitarian Portland always wear their robes for leading services. It's nice not to be wearing my robe today. The children, teachers, and I gathered in a circle around a table adorned with flowers and candles and all the items of remembrance. And during the service, each person in turn lit this slender candle, those tall slender candles, and they stuck it in a bowl of colored sand. And they shared their photo or drawing and the name and sometimes a story about the pet or the grandparent or whoever they were remembering on that day. And after each one, we all crisscrossed our arms over our hearts, and we said in unison the name and that we were holding them in love. The kids were a bit nervous, so I started us off by sharing a little about my dog, Benson, who had died unexpectedly a few months earlier. I told them how I was going to bring his ashes back to Minnesota with me and my other dog, Daisy, when we left Oregon later that summer. And fighting back my tears, I said, we all came out here together, and we're going home together. It still makes me choke up a little. But my story and my vulnerability and my sharing seemed to resonate with the children. And so with little hesitation, they each came into the center of the circle by turn. Some of them felt the loss personally, whatever it is they were sharing. And for others, it was a little bit more abstract, something that they were told about by their parents, this figure that was in their lives, but they didn't exactly know why. It was this tender and sweet experience that evoked a range of emotions in the children, and they expressed those both in stillness as well as in fidgeting, the way our bodies react in the way that they do. And in the last 15 minutes of the kindergarten class, this is always reserved for snack time. And so after the memorial, we went over to a nearby table to eat together. I gathered up my robe and I sat down on one of those little, little pint-sized chairs. And the teachers served us fruit and pretzels brought in by one of the parents. And then we did what you do after a memorial. We ate, we shared stories, we laughed about farting dogs and we tried to remember names of grandparents and what we used to, where we used to visit them and what they looked like. Voices and bodies got more and more animated as the memories clicked in. We asked each other questions and we worked really hard to listen. Memorial services and these informal gatherings afterwards, they hold space for our heavy hearts, for anger, for confusion, for sadness, and even for laughter and singing and smiles and jokes. We make sense of our joys and our losses 
through the sharing of memories and stories. We reach into the depths of whatever we're experiencing by feeling our emotions in our bodies. This is the way we humans know how to get through this thing called life. Sharing our individual and our collective stories helps us name the questions that come out of the mystery and complexity of being human and of being human in community. Just think of all the different kinds of stories we share and hold on to, like the how and the why things are, those lessons of science and nature and our own personal experiences. We tell survival stories and tales of transformation that are sometimes hard to explain. We regale each other about our adventures in love. We talk about our faith, our relationship with God, our connection to the web of life. We weave truth and fantasy into fables and folk tales. We analyze, we entertain, we persuade, we report, we reminisce and we wonder. What's probably hardest to share in our stories or allow into our memories are statements like, I'm sorry, I was wrong. We should have known, I didn't want to know. We only knew this little piece. I had forgotten, I am ashamed, we are hurting. I am scared. But when we're paying attention, we can feel these emotions viscerally in our bodies. We can respond from our bodies too. Rebecca Solnit calls us to see the stories and become their teller, rather than letting them be these unseen forces that tell you what to do. We need to turn the official version inside out and upside down. Rebecca shared this wisdom at a commencement address for a school of journalism, but don't mistake her words for applying only to journalists or activists or professional storytellers. We too often privilege these official versions of stories within our individual and collective lives as well. Stories that we tell about ourselves, our families, our churches, our communities, our nations. All of these stories can be turned inside out and upside down. Because if we don't do that, they can get stuck. They can get fixed. They can get false. We can look in the mirror and see one thing, and yet that's not really reality. We create these well-worn grooves in our psyche, these ruts that lock in our wheels and prevent us from forming new pathways, from moving forward. They prevent us from realizing we may have had it wrong, or at least not fully right, to realize that who we think we are or what we think we know might be off by just a few degrees or even a full 180. Kevin Kling says, by telling a story, things don't control us anymore. And even more importantly, by the asking in front of people and with people, even if we don't find the answer, it's by the asking we don't know, we know we're not alone. In her call to worship, Sophia reminds us how our thoughts come back even when we try to push them away. 
that they seep through the mental blocks of our minds everywhere we turn in ways that we don't expect. She helped us remember to look for the beauty that we want to wrap in the grotesque of our words and beliefs and the images that we see in front of us. We wrap them so that they are often rooted in fear and in shame. But where can we find the beauty? How can we loosen the control that so many stories have over us? Where can we lay our burdens down? Where can we find new meanings in our stories? And one of those places is in prayer. And while we may practice this more readily at times of grief, like at memorial services and other occasions, the communal practice of prayer is a gift that we experience here at church and can bring into our personal lives as well. It may be something you turn to readily, or it may be something new or a bit unnatural. And prayer, though, comes in many forms, from formal recitations to silent meditation to walking a labyrinth. It is a time of reflection and centering, of asking and receiving, of naming and letting go. Prayer offers spaciousness to look at the tender places in our hearts. It helps us surrender to different endings and new possibilities. So in the spirit of our monthly theme, I'm gonna invite us now into a time of embodied prayer that I'm gonna guide us through. And this invitation comes to the extent that you feel comfortable to trust that this is a sacred space filled with love and compassion and trust to your own needs and your own capacity. Trust yourself and just keep on breathing through it. And so we're gonna begin by settling into quietness. Just as Reverend Jen invited us to do earlier in the service, set down whatever you are holding. Once again, adjust your bodies in a way that feels comfortable and relaxed. Close your eyes if you like. Soften your, your gaze. Take a breath in and then release it. Keep breathing at your own pace and allow a piece of your pain or sorrow or discomfort to come forward. While there is so much in the world that could be lifted up, let this time be for you. Feel permission to pray for yourself, to acknowledge your own hurts, your personal grief, your hidden despair, your silent concerns. Where are you holding your emotional and spiritual pain right now in this moment? Feel where it shows up in your body, perhaps in the pit of your gut, the back of your neck, your stiff shoulders or clenched fingers, the heaviness in your heart. Feel where it resides in your body. 
Maybe touch that place gently. Focus in on where you feel. Now imagine that pain, that feeling or memory or emotion as something outside of you, this external object that you can hold in your hand or in your lap. Imagine it right now, traveling out of wherever it's holding in, its, in your body and place it in your hand or in your lap. Look upon it with curiosity. Pretend even for a moment that it is something you've just stumbled upon, not something that you've perhaps been in a relationship with for days or months or even years. Turn it over. Look at it from all sides. Really imagine it as an object outside of yourself with a shape, with color, texture, size, weight. You felt this object. You've known it. You've held it. And now gently, or not, let it go. Toss it away. Release it. Grind it to dust. Give it away. Give it up. Send it forth. Whatever you were holding in your hand or in your lap, that object is no more as it was. Breathe into this moment. Pray into this moment. Perhaps you'd like to touch the part of your body where you felt the weightiness, the sorrow, the pain when we first started? Can you feel even the tiniest bit of release or relief? Feel carefully, really pay attention. Is there the tiniest crack, a twinkle of pink? Can you smell a whiff of sweetness? Can you hear a new verse? Bring your awareness back to this space, back to the community around you. It only takes a crack, a crack for a new pathway to form a crack to allow something else in. Peace, 
hope, grace, happiness, ease. In this journey of life that we are upon, we have so many stories that we can tell ourselves about ourselves, about our world, so many stories we can remember and hold on to, so many fixed endings. Yet the very cells of our body tells us that nothing remains in stasis. Whether we're fidgeting or sitting still, we can still pay attention. We can touch, we can feel, we can notice. We can turn our stories inside out and upside down. We can bend without breaking like a willow tree. We can be resilient. We can be strong. We can create new endings. May it be so. And amen. <laughs>